Good morning, everyone. Invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We'll be in Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 27. During this Advent season, we have been following the theme of light, and in particular, light shining out of the darkness. We began in the book of Genesis and saw at creation the Lord spoke light into the darkness and the light shone forth. We looked at the book of Isaiah and how the Lord promised that light would come forth to the people of Israel through a Messiah who would shine forth, bringing salvation and redemption to His people. We also looked at the book of 2 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul spoke of how the light of Christ shines into the darkness of our hearts, giving us new light. And this morning we go to the end of our Bibles, to the book of Revelation, to see that in the new heavens and in the new earth, a light will shine forth with such brightness and intensity from the face of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He Himself will be the end of all other lights. So let us turn our attention now to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 22 through 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Father God, we do pray that you would shine forth your light and your truth. May we now see and perceive in these holy words that were first inspired by your spirit, true light, that it might lead us unto the glory of of Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in His name that we do pray. Amen. I-R-L. It's an abbreviation for the phrase in real life. Early on in the digital era, it became clear that those that had an active digital life needed a way to distinguish between virtual experiences and those that were occurring IRL in real life. So someone might say, man, he is so good at Madden football, but IRL, he's never played a down or Her profile picture must have been photoshopped because IRL, she doesn't look like that. (laughs) IRL, 
It's commonly used to describe the first in-person meeting between those who have met through some form of digital media, such as Facebook or Twitter or an online dating site. It's a watershed moment in a relationship when you first meet in real life. For as much as digital relationships have become a major aspect of our society, there is nothing that replaces being with somebody in real life. There is a difference between a face-to-face conversation and one mediated through email. There's a difference between seeing a selfie on Instagram and looking someone in the eyes in real life. The internet can provide a great place to meet people of similar interests and desires. I know of several marriage relationships that began through online dating sites. Yet none of these could progress beyond a certain point until there was a move from a relationship mediated by a digital veil to one where they were with the person in real life. In our passage for this morning... We come to the moment in salvation history in which the veil of this world has been pulled back and the people of God come to see the glorified Son of God face to face. When the Lord returns, He will establish a new heaven and a new earth and in this eternal kingdom of God, all that has separated the Lord from His people will be removed. And yet, even more than that, the gifts and the graces that the Lord God has used to communicate His presence and His glory will come to their appointed end in the brightness of the eternal glory of Christ. Over the last several weeks, we have seen that light has been a sign of God's presence and an experience of His glory. Yet our passage for this morning is teaching us that when Christ returns, the means by which God's glory is presently communicated will end. And when they end, all those written in the Lamb's book of life, that is, all those who belong to the Lord through faith in Christ Jesus, will see the glorified Son of God immediately. They will see Him face to face. There is nothing that will come between them and their Lord. There is a coming time when even the most glorious manifestations of God will fall to the wayside in the light of Christ. The Apostle Paul describes this day when he says in 1 Corinthians 13, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. And what we'll see this morning is that if we would know the glory of the light shining in the darkness this Advent season, then we must see the end of light. That is, we must see that there will be a time when the light of the most glorious revelations of the glory of God here on earth will be utterly surpassed by the full revelation of Christ Christ in His eternal kingdom. The first thing that I want us to see in our text for this morning is that the light of what we will call religious 
ordinances will end in Christ. Now, what do I mean by that? Religious ordinances. Well, look at verse 22. There we read. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Now, religious ordinances are those things that God uses to mediate His blessing and His presence. So in the Old Testament, the central religious ordinance was the temple. The temple was the special place on earth where the presence of God dwelt among His people. It was in the temple that sacrifices were made, that worship was given, that prayers were offered. The temple not only represented God, but it actually mediated the very presence of God with His people. God truly dealt with His people in the temple. In the New Covenant, There continues to be religious ordinances through which God makes His presence and His blessings known to His people. The sacraments are ordinances that the Lord Jesus commanded His people to practice through which the blessings of God are given. For example, those who partake of the Lord's Supper in faith feed upon Christ and all of His benefits through faith. The preaching of the Word is an ordinance that God has given to His church. And in the right preaching of the Word, the light of the Gospel goes forth. God has given to His people the blessings of His presence, yet He has done it through specific means, specific ordinances. And a time will come when these means, these ordinances will end. For in the eternal kingdom of God, there'll be no need for a temple. There'll be no need for baptism or for the Lord's Supper or even for a preacher to preach the gospel. Throughout the history of the church, these means have served as great lights shining in the darkness of this world. They have communicated the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet there will come a time when these lights will no longer be necessary. And therefore, Jesus tells His disciples that they will practice the Lord's Supper until when? Until He returns. The book of Hebrews tells us that in the new heaven and the new earth, they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Why won't they teach each other to know the Lord? For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Again, Paul says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. At the second advent of Christ, when He returns and establishes His kingdom, I'm going to be out of a job. For an ordained minister is called to lead the church in what? In the ordinances. I am ordained to lead you in the ordinances of God. 
But in eternity, we won't need bread and wine to feast upon Christ. We will not need to be taught about the Lord, for we will all know Him. We will not need to pray, for all of our prayers will turn into praise. Why will there be no temple? Because God and the Lamb, that is Christ, is the temple. We don't need the presence of God represented and sealed to us through secondary means such as the sacraments. Why? Because we will be in the very presence of God Himself. And the light of God's presence that we experience through these ordinances now will be overshadowed by the brightness of the glory of Christ's presence then. For Christ is the end of these present lights of glory. And this means that until that day of Christ's coming, we need to give ourselves over to knowing Christ through these means, through these ordinances, that we might be prepared to meet Him face to face. The Word, sacraments, prayer need to be pursued as the God-given means of experiencing and knowing the blessings of the light of the Gospel of Christ. For Christ is the end. That is, He is the purpose of the light we receive from these means of grace. And when He returns, yes, the partial will pass away. The dim mirror will be put to the side and we will see the light of His glory unveiled face to face. The next thing that we see in our text is that the coming of Christ and His kingdom means not only the end of religious ordinances, but the end of natural means of revelation. There are special means by which God reveals Himself. And there are natural means. And while nature does not tell us the Gospel, it does tell us much about God and His glory. The light of God's glory does shine forth in creation. As Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Paul says in Romans 1, for God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Where? In the things that have been made. Just as God's glory is revealed through religious ordinances, God's glory is also revealed in creation. His creative handiwork, His eternal power, His divine nature. All of humanity have the book of nature to read. And from it they can see that there is an eternal creator God of infinite power and glory. And that unto Him they are accountable for their actions. And this natural revelation of the attributes and qualities of God ends in the revelation of Christ as the Son of God. Look down at verse 23 of our text in Revelation 21. It says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp 
is the Lamb. When Christ returns and establishes His eternal kingdom, there'll be no need for a temple to shine forth the light of God's glory. And there will be no need for the light of the sun or the moon. Whatever glory and power was communicated through these heavenly bodies will no longer be necessary because they will be overshadowed by the glory shining forth from the lamp of the Lamb. I'm sure that most of you who put up Christmas lights are like me. You don't plug your lights in until when? Until it gets dark out, right? Why? Because you can't see them in the day when the sun is shining. If you have an inflatable, you plug that in, right? Because people can see that. But you don't plug your lights in. You're just wasting energy. And in the new Jerusalem, that is the eternal city of God, the sun's brightness will be accounted as such a weak flicker of light in comparison to the blazing glory of Christ that it won't be needed any longer. We believe the sun is of such brightness and intensity. But one day, it will be like the light that comes from a flashlight whose batteries are running out. Just a weak little teeny bit of light. It will fail because of the light of the Lamb will shine forth with such power. While on earth, Christ's divinity was veiled by His humanity. That is, Jesus didn't look like the brightness of the glory of the sun shining before everyone's eyes. There was no halo over his head. There was nothing that would make us think that he was anything special or divine. Yet once during his earthly ministry, the divinity of Christ was visually displayed for the disciples to see. We read of this event in the gospel according to Matthew. There we read, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And yet his resurrected, glorified body gives a greater display of the glory of the divinity of Christ. For we read in Revelation 1, Of the resurrected and glorified Christ, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like varnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. The light of the sun and the moon and the stars served a purpose for a season. Yet that purpose comes to its appointed end in the full revelation of the divinity of Christ the Lamb. For when the fullness of His divine attributes and eternal power are displayed, the light of the heavenly bodies will no longer be needed to declare the glory of God. For we will see the glory directly in the face of the divine glorified Christ. Even as that great hymn, Fairest Lord Jesus explains, Fair is the sunshine, fairer still the moonlight, and all the twinkling starry hosts. Yet, 
Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines purer than all the angels heaven can boast. Whatever you have rightly loved about the beauty and the purity of this world, they will all come to their appointed end in the beauty and the purity and the glory of Jesus Christ. The ways in which the light of the glory of God have been communicated to the world will come to an end when the true light The light of Christ shines forth unmediated, unfiltered, not through means, either natural or supernatural, but only through a direct vision of the divine in the person of Jesus Christ. We won't need the sun or the moon or the stars any longer because they will fulfill their purpose. They will come to their end. The second advent of Christ And the establishment of the new heavens and the new earth will mean the end of secondary means of communicating the glory of Christ. The mirror through which we see him now will pass away and we will see him face to face. There will be the end of the religious ordinances, the end of natural revelation to declare his glory. And finally, we see that there will be the end of the glory of of earthly kingdoms. Look down at verses 24 through 26. There we read, by its light, that's the light of Christ, will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory of and the honor of the nations. While we might not often think of human kingdoms as a revelation of God, they are clearly agents of God's governing authority on earth. And as such, they have their honor and their glory. To them has been given the right of the sword to punish and to protect. They have been given the authority of taxation of legislation and of administration. They have the God-given authority to execute wars and to provide for the common welfare of their subjects. As we read in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. You see, throughout Scripture, kings and nations, as agents of God, are pictured as heavenly lights. They are a shining forth of the power and the dominion and the glory of God. And this imagery continues even today to be used to show forth the power of nations. Over 79 nations today have a star or a moon or a sun on their national flag to represent them as a nation. Even our own flag has 50 stars representing the 50 states that have authority in our lives. And of course, this time of year, we remember that the wise men knew that a new king was born. Why? Because of the appearance of a new star in the sky. 
The power of earthly kingdoms as agents of God reveal to us the nature and the power that is coming in the kingdom of God. And yet we see that these lights will also come to an end. For whatever glory or security or dominion that may have been found in Rome or Greece or in Great Britain or in Russia or China or India or the United States of America, it will come to an end. For the might of a military such as our own nations that could bring to utter destruction all other armies or any nation on this earth, it will be accounted as nothing before the power and the might and the dominion of the kingdom of our Lord. And unto Himself He will call all nations. He will call all rulers. All their power. All their might. All their glory will be rendered unto Christ alone. For the book of Isaiah says that at His appearing, the leaders of the world will shut their mouths because of Him. And by the light of His star. That is the light of his rule. There will be no need for gates to secure the city any longer. For the light of his power will shine like the noonday sun always. And all those who dwell in his kingdom will be eternally secure in his blessed presence. And they will know in that kingdom absolute righteousness and justice and equity forever and ever. At one point. The British said of the expanse of their dominion, it is the empire on which the sun never sets. Yet the sun will set upon this empire and all empires except for one. For as Psalm 72 declares, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all the kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Or as we read in the Gospel of Luke, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. The power and the security that nations provide now will be overshadowed by the light emanating from the throne of the Lamb. And there will be no more need to close the gates. And this means that as we wait for His second coming, we must have the right view of these governing lights. We are called to submit to the governing authorities as agents of God, as lights dimly displaying the power of the Lamb. Yet at the same time, we must see that they are not an end in themselves. But their end, the end of their light, is the light of Christ Jesus Himself. Why do you think that Herod wanted Jesus killed? Because the rising of the star of Christ means the end of all the earthly kingdoms. All glory and honor and power and dominion must be rendered unto the Lamb alone. This Advent season, we have focused our attention on the theme of light. 
Again, we began with the creation of light in Genesis. Next, we saw the promise of light in Isaiah. Then the message of light in 2 Corinthians. And in each case, we saw that the light that shines in the darkness is the glory of the Christ Jesus. Yet for now, that light is veiled. The light is seen by faith. The light is experienced through promises. We must trust that His Word is true. We must have faith that Christ is the Son of God. We must believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God who by His life and death and resurrection has written our names indelibly in the Lamb's book of life. But on the day of His appearing, when He comes again, faith will turn to sight, hope to glad fruition, and prayers will turn to praise. And all that we saw to be so glorious in this world, the glory of the most powerful kingdoms, the glory of the most beautiful sunset, even the glory of Christ's ordinances will come to their appointed end. Yet it would be wrong to think that the word end means the cessation, the termination For in Christ, it is not the termination of light. When we say that Christ is the end of light, what we mean is that He is the completion. He is the fulfillment. He is the purpose. He is the reason for light. All the light that we receive now is an appetizer for a meal that we will feast upon for all eternity. It is the prologue that is preparing us for the real story that is to come. It's the email, the photo, the letter, the phone conversation, the text message that is getting us ready to meet our future husband, the glorified Lord Jesus Christ in real life, as it were. As the Apostle John says, we know that when he appears, we shall see him as he is. No longer Will there be the the gray rain curtain of this world separating us from seeing our Lord as He is? But it will be pulled back and we all with unveiled faces will see the brightness of the light of His glory, the end, the purpose, the culmination of all light. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you now in this time and we pray, O Lord, that you would shine forth your light and prepare us all for that coming day. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.